0: We're continuing now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God, and it's been so exciting to be as one church body, as one church community, going through this journey of wisdom that we've been calling Wisdom in Action, as we've been going through the whole book of Proverbs together as a church community in what we've referred to as the Proverbs Challenge, 31 days in the month of August, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and I have just been so encouraged and amazed to see the different reflections that have been coming through from our church community on the different uh, social media groups and platforms that we have going. And would love to hear from you as well. Go ahead and share in the comments or share send, send us an email letting us know what has this journey of wisdom looked like for you in the Proverbs during the month of August. We've heard reflections from all kinds of folks in our church community, from those younger, from those older, from those uh, taking some of their first steps in faith, those taking their next steps in faith, and it's been just incredible. And this morning, we have an opportunity to hear from Ben Houseward. He's going to share a brief reflection on this journey of wisdom that we've been on together as a church family in the book of Proverbs. So let's go ahead and take a minute to hear from our brother, Ben Houseward.
1: For the Proverbs reflection, um, I didn't really choose one, but when I was going through them, one thing I noticed, especially in the first several chapters, is they all begin with some variation of the same idea. Uh, They say, son, listen to my wisdom. Don't forget my teaching. Keep my word and store my commands and then you will understand the fear of the Lord. He will make your paths straight, you will maintain discretion, and your lips will preserve knowledge." Um, I can just imagine Solomon writing these proverbs down, praying that his own son listens to this wisdom that he has, longing for him to continue a strong relationship with God. And as a father myself, I like to tell my five and three-year-olds that I can predict the future. I usually use this trick when I can see they're doing something particularly unwise and I can tell that it will end poorly. For example, swinging a blanket around next to a huge Lego set they spent hours working on will probably lead to the Lego set being destroyed. Or if they tease their brother when he's already in a bad mood, it could lead to a smack in the face from an angry brother. So I usually leave it at that, and when my predictions come true, I offer a little sympathy. This usually prevents a little meltdown when the Lego set is wrecked, or helps me settle down a brawl when one of them pokes the proverbial bear. But sometimes they recognize their foolishness and decide to change their behavior. And this is really what I'm after when I tell them I can predict the future. And I often imagine our heavenly father looking down at us when we make our own foolish decisions and how many warnings he gave us, but we still don't change our own stubborn ways. Proverbs 22, six says to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Ask any parent and they can tell you that's not an easy task. Training children to do what is wise is tiring and seems almost impossible sometimes. However, if we can continue to train our children in what is right and what is wise and to love God and others, then when they are older, they will continue that legacy. We are God's children, and he is our father, and he loves us just as a parent loves their children. I learned that I didn't really understand this love until I became a parent myself, and the metaphor became so much clearer. The Proverbs are God's wisdom passed down through Solomon to us, and we have so much to learn, and if we can bind these in our hearts, it will stick with us as we grow older.
0: The wisdom of God available to all who seek it. Today's scripture reading comes from several Proverbs, but we will begin in Proverbs 12 and then read a few after that. And they all follow a similar theme of humility and teachability. The first scripture comes from Proverbs 12:15. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 16:18 Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 18:15 The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. And Proverbs nineteen twenty. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for simple yet profound words that we find in the book of proverbs simple and profound words that give us a pathway to wisdom a pathway to new life abiding in you god we thank you for your faithfulness we thank you lord for the gift of your presence that you delight in pouring down on on us, Lord. We thank you for your church body, which continues to be one united body no matter where we are, Lord. We are your spiritual body, your presence here on earth today, Lord God. We're humbled by that. Teach us your ways, O God. And as we enter into this time of hearing from you would you fill us with just the mysterious awe and wonder fill us with humility lord knowing that we do not know everything there is so much more to learn god there is so much more to be able to grasp so many more ways to grow lord as we hold on to you today god our hearts are grateful And that's just a response to your abundant grace. Your abundant grace that guides us and secures us, Lord. All glory, honor, and power is yours. And we dedicate this time in your word, Lord. We dedicate it to you. Teach us, O Jesus. Teach us who you want us to be. Reflectors of your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, we're continuing in part four of this sermon series that we've been calling Wisdom in Action. As we've been studying the book of Proverbs, we've learned a number of things. We've learned that wisdom begins with an attitude adjustment, an attitude adjustment that the Proverbs call the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord is an attitude of humility openness and surrender. And last week we talked about the power of words and how words have the power to build up or to to tear down. But God calls us to build up through using the power that we have with words wisely. And today we're going to talk about another part of the character of wisdom of godly wisdom and we will be talking today about humility and teachability the bible calls us to be disciples and one thing that i've referred to before as what a a uh, disciple as a follower of jesus is is a couple of things it's a matter of fact kind of disciple f a c t faithful approachable teachable and consistent and today we're going to be focusing on humility and teachability as a part of the pathway to wisdom. Proverbs twelve fifteen, which we read just now, reminds us that the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice, the wise listen to counsel. Scripture calls us to go deeper into wisdom. And as we draw nearer to a God who is wise, we will gain wisdom. Wisdom has been a theme throughout the Scriptures. And the New Testament actually gives us a very practical step. The, whole, so the book of Proverbs as well gives us a very practical step toward wisdom. And that is what we've been referring to as the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the attitude of humility. The fear of the Lord is the attitude of surrender. So what exactly is humility? And how is that connected to wisdom? Just to be clear, humility is not humiliation. But humility is honesty. It's being honest before God. It's being honest with ourselves. Humility actually um, empowers us. It enables us to truly see ourselves as we truly are, and it frees us to view God as God truly is. Humility frees us to see God as all-powerful, as all-sovereign. Humility actually guides us to trust God and to view Him as praiseworthy. Humility gives us a lens to see God as God truly is humility also eliminates all of our attempts to categorize or dehumanize one another humility then leads to teachability and teachability leads to wisdom the wise person in the book of proverbs is a person that is teachable. The wise person receives and loves instruction and continues to seek growing in wisdom. The wise person seeks to continue to grow in spiritual maturity. The wise person does not simply settle or conform to what he or she knows, but the wise person lives with a hunger to continue to seek God and by doing so, to grow in wisdom and to grow in spiritual maturity. It's so amazing to think about that, that the wise person is teachable, is humble the wise person is not a know-it-all with a quick fix answer for everything when i was in an un, undergraduate student i actually studied philosophy so what did really we do studying philosophy we kind of just stood around with all my friends and we kind of philosophized what is philosophizing is just standing around and asking why one of my favorite jokes about a philosophy degree came from the late Ravi Zacharias, who I learned so much from, deeply appreciative of his ministry and his lifetime. Really miss him. But he once joked and he asked at, at this uh, seminar that I got to see him take part in once. Uh, he joked once and asked, uh, and in in kind of messing around, talking about uh, philosophers, he said, "What is the difference between a philosopher?" and an extra-large pizza? It's not, a, it's not a trick question. You can ask yourself that. And, and, and this was uh, Ravi Zacharias asking, what is the difference between a philosopher and an extra-large pizza? The answer, an extra-large pizza can feed a family of four. A philosopher cannot. The late Ravi Zacharias, to be clear, he also studied philosophy, just like me, so we can make fun of that, but don't make fun of us, okay? Well, all joking aside, philosophy simply means the love of wisdom. And one of the most important philosophers in the history of Western civilization was actually a teacher from ancient Greece. It was a man by the name of Socrates. Socrates developed a form of philosophy that still stands today. It's referred to as the Socratic method, which is the ability to engage dialogue through questions. Socrates had a way of engaging and confronting hard conversations with questions and more questions. Socrates actually believed that the right questions are even more important than the quick answers. Socrates, at one point, actually summarized his entire method by simply saying this, all I know is that I don't know. Now, this attitude, this posture, this humility was what started him socrates on the path to become one of the most influential people in the history of western civilization jesus by far would take the top spot but socrates would certainly be in the conversation of the top 20 most impactful people to shape the western world as it is today and it all started with this attitude that he had all i know is that i don't know This attitude is called humility. And the Proverbs tell us that humility is a part of the character of the wise person. Proverbs talks over and over and over again about two main pathways that we can take in this life. The Proverbs tell us that there is the way of the wise and there is the way of the fool. The wise person, according to the Proverbs, is a person that is humble. The wise person is able to say, I know that I don't know. That's the attitude of the wise person. But then there's the attitude and the path of the fool, which is the complete opposite of humility. The fool is proud The fool actually says the complete opposite. The fool says, I don't know what I don't know and I don't want to know. But the wise person, which the book of Proverbs point to, is a person that is humble and a person that is teachable. The foolish person, on the other hand, is unteachable. So those are the two options that Proverbs gives us there. Are we going to be teachable or unteachable, to put it very simply for us? I've learned over the years, and I've made mistakes in having an attitude of being unteachable, and that hasn't gone great for me at times. But I'm so grateful that the grace of God always creates a pathway back, a pathway back to wisdom if we seek it. Friends, brothers, sisters, this first step toward wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is an attitude of humility and surrender. And that's exactly why Christian thinkers throughout the centuries, Christian leaders throughout the centuries have emphasized humility as the most distinct of Christian virtues and of Christ-like character. We talked about Socrates as a very influential person. Another extremely influential person in the Western world as we know it today was actually an early Christian leader by the name of Augustine or St. Augustine. And in fact, uh, he was so influential that the very first city in this country that we now call the United States of America was actually named after him. St. Augustine, Florida. Augustine on... On one occasion, he was asked, what are the three most important Christ-like qualities? What are the three most important Christian qualities? And he actually mentioned how the top three Christ-like qualities for a follower of Jesus are going to be humility, humility, humility. That's what distinguishes a follower of Jesus. In fact, the gospel is the story of how God humbles Himself to become like us so that we could be united with God and united with each other. We're reminded of this in the New Testament in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. We see the Apostle Paul's words reminding us of this. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ lived in the attitude of humility. And I'm so grateful to be able to follow a Lord like that. And in this season, though it's been very difficult while we've been apart, I'm glad that there still have been ways and means of technology to continue to be able to stay connected. And I'm very glad to be able to stay connected to friends and family, even during this time of pandemic. One good friend of mine, who is a pastor as well, based out of the state of Michigan, but originally from the Asian country of Nepal, is a brother of Christ by the name of Yaakov. He's, as I mentioned earlier, uh, he is from the country of Nepal. And uh, he and I really enjoy talking and catching up. We took a seminar together earlier this month, a virtual one. And I really enjoy talking sports and history. And he and I, at one point, were talking about one of the greatest landmarks of his home country of Nepal. It's a landmark which just happens to be the tallest mountain in the world. Some of you know it by name. It is Mount Everest. My friend Yakov once told me about the team of two men that were the first two men ever in recorded history to climb to the top of Mount Everest, the highest mountain point, mountaintop in planet Earth. And these two men were actually two explorers, one by the name of Edmund Hillary. He is originally from New Zealand, and the other was a local by the name of Tenzig Norgay. He was from Nepal. The reason that Edmund Hillary was able to reach the top of the mountain is because he was teachable. Edmund Hillary learned from a local. My friend Yaakov explained to me that even to this day, local Nepalese people continue to teach and give directions to mountain climbers from around the world who want to visit everest edmund hillary the first person to ever reach the top of mount of, of mount everest was able to reach it only because he was teachable at one point edmund hillary attended a gathering of mountain climbers of uh, throughout the world and at one point, he got into this conversation with a, a newbie, with a, a novice, rookie, mountain climbing student, and he ran into Edmund Hillary at a gathering for, for mountain climbers. And I believe Edmund was going to be uh, invited to be the keynote speaker. And as he was waiting to be called up, this student, this, this, uh, this rookie to mountain climbing, He actually begins talking to Edmund Hillary, and he has no idea who he is. And Edmund was a humble man that knew how to listen well. So he listened to this student as this student had no idea who Edmund was. And this student was actually trying to puff himself up by talking about how much he's done, what he's climbed, and he's trying to give mountain climbing advice and tips to Edmund Hillary and he's completely aware of who he's talking to. Then the organizer, at one point, overhears this student talking to Edmund, and he comes over and he slaps the student on the shoulder and explains to him who Edmund Hillary is. The student finds out that he's the keynote speaker, that this whole time he was trying to boast to the first man to ever climb to the top of Mount Everest. The young student didn't know who he was talking to, and he had no words after that. But I'll tell you one big takeaway from that encounter. The young student did not know who Edmund Hillary was for one simple reason, because he didn't ask Part of teachability, part of what the book of Proverbs invites us to, is learning to ask. That's a part of wisdom. Learn to ask. If you don't know, ask. It's not rocket science. If I don't know something, get counsel. Get advice. Don't pretend. That's foolishness according to the Proverbs. The wise person is teachable. The wise person is willing to be vulnerable and to ask. In a book that I really love uh, by um, C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters, there's a section in there that talks about the woman of God And that the woman of God is adorned in humility. Her strength is her humility. We're reminded of that once again in the book of 1 Peter, in chapter 3, verse 4. It says this Rather, it should be that your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. I love another translation that puts it even more plainly and says, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Wow. There aren't too many things that we see in the Bible that are precious to God, but we see here that Gentleness and a quiet spirit, teachability and humility is precious in the sight of God. As we, 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 reflect, we reflected earlier in that First Peter passage, humble yourself before God so that at the proper time He may exalt you. These passages, these words in Proverbs were true then and they continue to be true today. Proverbs sixteen eighteen reminds us that arrogance is detestable before God. And that in fact pride comes before the fall. Proverbs sixteen eighteen reminds us of this. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So the first step toward teachability is humility. And humility is the posture. Humility is the attitude of wisdom. So if humility is the attitude of wisdom, then what is it that causes arrogance? Obviously, there's arrogance in the world, Obviously, there's arrogance even in ourselves sometimes, but even in the church at times, arrogance can pop out its ugly head. What is the root of arrogance? As I've uh, read the scriptures and I reflect on uh, different um, experiences that I've been able to observe and have, I've come to realize that pride and anxiety is a means, It's it's a tool that disconnects us from God and from each other. And in fact, pride and anxiety are, in many ways, the root of what the scriptures call a haughty spirit. Pride and anxiety are the root of the arrogant person, and the arrogant person is the unteachable person. Arrogance is playing God. Arrogance is thinking and acting like I need to take over a situation or I need to manipulate some kind of outcome or that reality is only limited to what I think or what I know or to my perspective. Arrogance is a refusal to believe that God is God and I am not and no one else is as well. Arrogance is a failure to realize that each person's mind is simply trying to fit the ocean in a cup. No one understands everything. Everyone can learn something. God is so much greater than what the unteachable person wants to admit. Arrogance leads to fear. Arrogance leads to manipulation. Then arrogance, fear, and manipulation leads to hurt. I guarantee you, wherever there is arrogance, wherever there is fear, wherever there is manipulation, hurt is not far. And then guess what? Hurt produces more hurt. Because hurt people hurt people hurt people, hurt people. It goes on and on in a cycle of pride, of arrogance, of hurt. Part of my job as a pastor is walking alongside and praying with people in their times of joy and in their times of hurt. In this last month, a friend who leads a ministry in another part of the world recently reached out to me and asked for my prayers and support on how to deal with an arrogant and manipulative person that has hurt others in the organization that they lead. Now, when they asked me how how to help them or what to do in that situation, my answer was, "I, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I'll pray with you and I'll talk about it with you and I'll share with you my experience but I was very proud of this friend. I was very proud of this leader seeking help because that's a sign of teachability. That's a sign of wisdom because the wise person seeks wisdom and the fool's way seems right to himself or to herself. We're reminded of that over and over in the proverbs proverbs twelve fifteen puts it so simply and so profoundly the way of fools seems right to them but the wise listen to advice the wise listen to godly counsel arrogance leads to making enemies of our neighbors to making enemies of our brothers and sisters and in fact, arrogance is the way of the world, of principalities, of, of, uh, and God's kingdom is not of this world. So we're going to see arrogance over and over again in the different systems, and the different principalities here in this world, and God's wisdom will be counter to that every single time. God's wisdom actually reminds us that actual human, uh, actual human opponents— or those that I may disagree with, that they, in fact, are not the real enemy. But they are actually broken sinners in desperate need of God's grace, just like you and just like me. The gospel of Jesus, the wisdom of God, proclaims a new way. A peculiar way, a unique way. Not just this way or that way, but the gospel invites us into a third way, a new way, a Jesus way. A way that is rooted and grounded in the person and work of Christ. A way that responds to difference with gentleness, kindness, and respect. The scriptural message that we see here today and what the Proverbs is inviting us into is teachability. And teachability is something that can even feel and sound so foreign in our culture and in our world today. It's radical, it's new, it's like a breath of fresh air, especially in the context that we live in today where everyone seems to be an expert about everything. We live in a culture that tries to convince us that we are God. And so we make demons and enemies out of those who disagree with us, out of those who maybe have a different point of view or those who don't look like us or talk like us. And then what happens when we make enemies? Anxiety and arrogance continues to rise and it's coupled with the pride of playing God and that causes hurt, separation, and disunity. Disunity. Sound familiar? The scripture, the gospel of Jesus, the wisdom of God invites us into a new way. And scripture urges that we cast our anxieties on God. I know many of us have different burdens, different anxieties. We're with you. We pray for you. The scriptures call us to cast those anxieties on God rather than turn them into some kind of form of anger or of arrogance, but to cast those anxieties on God because God cares for us. God cares for you. He knows us even better than we know ourselves. Yes, we, we, we live in this world. This is the context but we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And yes, in this world, categories exist, but those categories do not determine our value. Those categories do not determine our identity. We know here at Imago Church that our identity comes from being created in the image of God and that our purpose comes from putting on Christ, from having a new identity and a new purpose in him. When the Proverbs talk about humility and teachability, they're actually saying something that maybe we've heard before. When the Proverbs call us to teachability, they are actually saying, do not conform to the standard of the world do not conform to basic categories that you've inherited or have been pu- or categories that have been put on you or expectations that have been put on you do not conform to arrogance and pride but instead take action step into wisdom in action a wisdom in action that calls us to think differently because God created us, He knows what, what, who we are as people, and He knows that who we are begins with our thinking. Because thinking differently will lead to living differently. And when we take on this new way, this unique way, this third way of Jesus, we come to realize that any actual human opponent's that we may be embattled with or have a different point of view with or may not agree with on anything, even the fiercest disagreements, even the fiercest persecutors, we come to realize it when we look at this through the lens of wisdom, of godly wisdom, that even they, even those we disagree with the most, they are not the real enemy in Christ we may even experience unity with those that we once called enemies. I'm sure we can hear stories at Imago Church. I love how we have people from all different kinds of, uh, of, of points of views and experiences and folks that are really willing to be teachable and to learn. We can experience unity with those that even we once called enemies. We're reminded of this in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 10 to 11, which tell us this For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Friends, brothers, sisters, our unity is not in what we call ourselves, but in who God calls us. He calls us his children. That's his covenantal promise. He will be our our God and we will be his people. We are the church, the family of God. And as the church, we share in our worship of God in Jesus Christ. We are united in a mission to witness to the good news of the gospel, to the new creation. And in doing doing so, we're seeking the peace and really uh, pointing this truth out so that all would flourish. We're united not in our best selves not in our worst selves we're united not in our best ideas but you and i as the body of christ we are united in following a crucified and resurrected savior that's who unites us a savior who humbled himself to the point of the cross a savior who was teachable and a savior who teaches us a new way to live by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom who is called the great counselor and the great teacher. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are humbled by your majesty. We're humbled by your example, Lord. We're humbled by your willingness to show us your ways, God. Thank you, Lord, that you know we don't. Thank you, Lord, that you are in control. We are not. You are able to hold that burden. We cannot, Lord. So, God, I pray that you would teach us wisdom, teach us responsibility, teach us humility, teach us teachability, God. Lord, we thank you because we're united eternally in you. Not in our best ideas or our our best selves, but in you, God. A Savior who came, died, and rose again for our sakes. Fill us, God, with just the mysterious joy of that. That we're a people who would not ordinarily be together, but we're gathered around the worship of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to see others for who they really are. People loved by you. People created in your image. Give us grace, Lord, today. Give us grace this week to cast our cares, to cast our anxieties upon you, Lord God. And Lord, give us humility and give us teachability. Show us your ways in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.